0: What a week we've got lined up here as we close out the month of September. Come Friday, we welcome in October. Ooh, it is going to be the fourth quarter of the year in just a couple of hours. Honestly, who saw that one coming? I'm John Rawl, and this is the Y'all Show. And here on this program, we put the South front and center. We promote what all's going on across the South, whether it's in the news category, the sports category, We've got some weather to talk about here. Looks like we've got a potential Category 4 storm in the works out in the Atlantic. We'll share with you all of the information that we can pass along here today. We also have coming up in the Y'all Show's second hour, our Takapola storyteller. His name is Jerry Short. And we're going to talk to old Jerry about all kind of fun things going on in his world and his world from a long time ago, too. All that is ahead right here on Y'all. We have an 800, well, it's actually an 803 number. It's 803-816-1170. That's how you can text us at your own convenience. Would love to get your thoughts here. 803-816-1170. Operators standing by. We also have our website. It is y'all.com. And if you didn't realize this, let me be the first to tell you, Y'all is the South's homepage. We have plenty of great information up at you com, and we got a whole heaping helping of a whole lot more good stuff going up at y'all.com, and it'll be there before you know it. So check that out here on the show that's all about the South. This is the Y'all Show with your general of all things Southern. In addition to telling you about a storm in the Atlantic today, we also will tell you some stories. Sad story with a death of a police officer in Hardin County, Tennessee. We'll pass that information along a tragedy from the weekend. Also, the United States has enough COVID-19 vaccines for boosters and kids shots. We'll fill you in on the latest with that information. Also, did you realize that in back to a Tennessee story, four people were killed around the Chattanooga area over the weekend. I'll bring those stories to you as well. Also, President Trump was in Perry, Georgia on Saturday night, having a big rally there. And that comes after a Republican review in Arizona found no proof that the Arizona election from November 2020 was stolen, although President Trump talked about that in his Perry, Georgia appearance. He also had a, a good old time bashing the Republican governor of the state of which he was having a rally in, Brian Kemp. I'll let you know what's going on with the former president. Also, a HBCU in Kentucky says it needs funds to stay in business. And this is a, a well-known university in the Commonwealth. It's Kentucky State University right in the state capital of Frankfurt. And a story out about how it's in a very, va- very bad financial situation. Also from the border, a story you might not have heard about, 14 soldiers got detained, but they were not American soldiers. They were Mexican soldiers, and they got detained in this country after they crossed into this country. What is up with the Mexican soldiers? We'll share info on that. Also, some positive news. A Rapids Sheriff's Office in Louisiana selling firewood on Friday. Oh, don't you just... Love getting firewood cut for you. Instead of going out in the woods and sawing up your own truckload, you can get your own, courtesy of the sheriff's office there in that parish in Louisiana. A, lo- a long-time reporter in Charlotte on WBTV-TV. He is retiring after 45 years. I'll let you know more about that story. And as we wrap up our headlines today on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, I'll share with you the story of a man in South Mississippi a World War II hero, a pilot from that great conflict of the 1940s. He just recently went on what's called a dream flight, and he went back into the clouds there in Hancock County, Mississippi. I'll let you know more about Thomas Adams, Jr., 100-year-old Thomas Adams, Jr., and his great flight back into the clouds as this World War II veteran had a chance to get back and fly high, so we'll share that positive story as we walk through our headlines today. Also got lots of sports talk to get to. How about a historic day in the NFL day uh, NFL on Sunday? What a amazing amazing game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Detroit Lions. Boy the Lions who have never been to a Super Bowl, one of the NFL's oldest franchises. They are truly, I don't know if they got a lot of copperheads or rattlesnakes around Detroit but they are truly snake bit and the old snake came out and bit them again on Sunday as they had victory snatched from the jaws of defeat or did I get that wrong they had defeat snatched from the jaws of victory the bottom line Detroit lost Detroit lost again they're 0-3 and the way they lost Sunday might be the biggest unfortunate thing that's ever happened to the Lions they got beat by a nfl record 66 yard field goal as time expired by the baltimore ravens i will tell you more about that amazing kick i will talk more about the amazing games on sunday and some teams got their first win i.e atlanta falcons some teams are sitting there thinking where are we gonna go We'll share with you all of the NFL action from Sunday. We'll share with you all of the college football goings on from Saturday. We actually already have, after four weeks of college football, a Southern head football coach, a coach from one of our group of six schools, he was fired on Sunday. And I'll let you know about which program that was and as far as our Southern College Football Report coming up later this hour. That plus a look at the brand new rankings. We had some upsets, as I expected, as General Gridiron predicted. And we will share with you what happened when the latest AP poll got released on Sunday. The teams that were gaining in value and those who almost, if not totally, fell out of the AP Top 25. That's coming up in our college football roundup. Later this hour, before Hour 1 completes itself, we will tell you we're going to have a Southern History Spotlight. I'm going to let you know more about Cordell Hull, a big, big giant from the Volunteer State, especially early in the 20th century. We'll talk about Cordell Hull and we'll let you know about Truman Capote, the New Orleans native who has a birthday that we celebrate all of this week. That's coming up in our Southern History Spotlight here in our number one. Why don't you say we go ahead and dive into the fun here on this show about the south so we can squeeze all of our hour one fun in because we do have plenty of news that we will try to get to throughout the show, but we'll try to, again, put in as much as we can here in hour number one. All right, first things first. Hurricane Sam is a powerful category for hurricane, but according to the weather experts, it's no threat to the gulf coast states of the southeast this thing tracking on sunday afternoon and it has become the most powerful hurricane of 2021 150 mile per hour winds located on sunday at least sunday evening north of the leeward islands and it is tying with ida for the strongest hurricane so far it had cat five winds of 157 i believe ida did at one point but this one Probably going to get past that when it gets into warmer waters. The Hurricane Center Sunday said SAM could fluctuate in intensity over the next day or so and could slowly start to weaken. SAM is forecast to track to the west-northwest and then turn more to the northwest at some point on this Monday. The Hurricane Center's forecast track shows the core of SAM moving north and east of the Leeward Islands. Bermuda will need to keep an eye on the track of this storm. But right now, I think the experts ruling out this thing getting to the Gulf of Mexico. However, it does have the potential to scoot up along the Atlantic coast. And that would be something that in the south could be devastating. But the at least likely projection now, this thing might just move due north. And so only Bermuda potentially would be greatly affected by this latest storm of 2021. Right now, a Cat 4 storm, Hurricane Sam. We'll keep you updated on it as the week goes by. A hero in blue was lost over the weekend, and this happened in Hardin County, Tennessee. A deputy there was killed, and a man from Clifton, Tennessee, now charged with first-degree murder in the shooting death of this deputy and that deputy died on, let's see, Saturday night. According to the TBI, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation press release, it happened after a domestic disturbance call came in at the 30, or rather 3,000 block of Nance Bend Road in Clifton. Clifton, by the way, is technically Middle Tennessee. It is right on the Tennessee River, right where Middle and West Tennessee come together. Across the bridge there would be Bath Springs, which is in West Tennessee. But this disturbance happened on Saturday evening around 830. Deputies with the Hardin County Sheriff's Office and an officer with the Clifton, Tennessee Police Department arrived at the scene and made contact with the 48-year-old who is now being charged in the murder of this Hardin County deputy. And this man ended up engaging in a, a, a gunfight there and he refused to drop his weapon. As another Hardin County deputy approached the home to assist, Strickland shot him, the deputy transported to a hospital, but did not survive. The officer killed was Hardin County, Tennessee Sheriff Deputy Matthew Locke. And we remember Officer Locke here on the Y'all Show and his sacrifice there in the line of duty. And we back the blue here on Y'all Talk With Us Southern Accent. The United States has enough COVID-19 vaccines for boosters and kid shots. That's the story coming from Madison, Wisconsin and other places across the country. With more than 40 million doses of coronavirus vaccines available, the U.S. health authorities said they're confident that there will be enough for both qualified older Americans seeking booster shots and young folks for whom initial vaccines are expected to be approved in the not-too-distant future. A spike in demand expected following last week's federal recommendation on booster shots would be the first significant jump in months. More than 70 million Americans remain unvaccinated despite the enticement of lottery prizes. Some places are offering free food and gifts. And also, you've had exhausted health care workers pleading for those folks to get a vaccine. And right now, the average number of deaths per day has climbed. It's now more than 1,900 in recent weeks, deaths from COVID-19 a day here in this country. Robust supply in the United States enabled President Joe Biden earlier last week to promise an additional 500 million of Pfizer's COVID-19 shots to share with the world, and that doubles the country's global contribution. Aid groups and health organizations have pushed the United States and other countries to improve vaccine access in countries where even the most vulnerable people haven't had a shot. So we're asking to help out these other countries. We're going to give you a shot at survival, perhaps, by being vaccinated. But again, according to the story out from the weekend, this country does have enough COVID-19 vaccines for boosters and kid shots. All right, here is a story that some of you, if you were around in 1981, you'll remember where you were the day that Ronald Reagan got shot and nearly killed. He was shot by a guy named John Hinckley Jr. John Hinckley Jr. was born in Ardmore, Oklahoma and ended up living with his family in Dallas starting at age four. And this guy was from a very affluent family. John Hinckley's father was a chairman and president of Vanderbilt Energy Corporation. And he grew up right there near SMU's campus. And then he went on to school to Texas Tech. Ultimately, he dropped out, and he found himself in 1981 trying to kill President Ronald Reagan. He had an obsession with actress Jodie Foster, and that kind of drove him to do that. John Hinckley Jr. has been in prison since 1981, and it looks like he might be getting out as lawyers for Hinckley, the man, again, who tried to kill President Ronald Reagan, and nearly did. He got shot. It was a lot dangerous and a lot more potentially lethal than we thought at the time. But today, in court, lawyers for Hinckley are going to be arguing that the 66-year-old would-be assassin should be freed from restrictions placed on him and that's been after he's been moved out of a hospital in Washington and that was five years ago. He got moved to Williamsburg, Virginia and a federal judge has made him live under various conditions that dictate much of his life. An example of that, doctors and therapists must oversee his psychiatric medication and decide how often he attends individual and group therapy sessions. Hinckley has monthly appointments, mostly virtual now, with Washington's Department of Behavioral Health, and he has to file progress notes with a federal court. Now, we just saw, over the last couple of days, the Kennedy family support Sirhan Sirhan's release in California, the man who actually killed Robert Kennedy back in 1968. And it looks like signs are pointing this guy, John Hinckley, who's been behind bars for 40 years as he tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan just months after Reagan was sworn into office, that he is on a path to perhaps being released as lawyers are urging no restrictions for Hinckley going forward. And this guy, again, grew up in a, I won't say stable family, but he grew up privileged, I think that's a fair argument, And no excuse for him to try to kill anybody, especially the Gipper, Ronald Reagan. Thank God Reagan survived that. Thank God Reagan became one of the great presidents this country's ever seen, in my humble opinion. All right, here is a story about a sad shooting last week. It happened in Collierville, Tennessee. A gunman attacked a Kroger store on Thursday afternoon. One person, a shopper there, killed 12 others wounded. And then the man ended up turning the gun on himself in an apparent self-inflicted gunshot. And Collierville is about 30 miles due east of Memphis. It's right there in Shelby County. A very, very nice suburban community for the city of Memphis. And we don't have an update on all the people who had to go to hospitals. But I can just tell you after the shooting and after we've gone through now a couple of days of this awful incident, in West Tennessee, that thank God we didn't have more of a loss of life. This guy was hell-bent to kill, and he did strike a lot of people. But, um, but good news here, at least from what we're gathering, many of the gunshot victims have been hanging in there, and hopefully they'll get out of this thing in a healthy, healthy way. Again, the guy was a third-party contractor, the shooter, at that Kroger store, and he worked in the sushi department. And he went in on that Thursday, and in the early afternoon hours, just started shooting people, and a horrible thing. I think his family has apologized again. He ended up evidently dying of self-inflicted wounds, and his family now coming out. And from some of the reports I've seen out of Memphis, neighbors, I mean, he had a neighbor the day before, he stopped his neighbor to talk about tinning windows, and the neighbor said he seemed perfectly normal, no problems at all, and then just hours later he goes and starts shooting up a bunch of people, wounding 12, killing one person in Memphis or technically Collierville, Tennessee last week. Hopefully everybody else gets out and gets back, and just a tragedy that thank goodness could have been a lot worse than it was. No loss of life is acceptable. All right, President Donald Trump, he was back at it in Perry, Georgia, Saturday night. Did y'all see any of that? The president, he was speaking, he was calling out Brian Kemp, the Republican governor of Georgia. President Trump, as you would have expected, right back in Georgia with a rally. And he was not going to hold back about what he perceives as election fraud, rigged elections, especially in Georgia. And he got real ugly toward the sitting Republican governor, Brian Kemp. Now, I don't have a reaction from Kemp to report here today, but President Trump already saying he would support anybody that would be running for governor or lieutenant governor, a guy that I used to work with. Bert Jones got up on stage. Bert Jones is from Jefferson, Georgia, and I think that's the right town. Jackson. No, he's from Jackson, Georgia, and that's Butts County, and he is a state senator in the state house there in Atlanta, and Jones has already announced he's running for lieutenant governor as a Republican, and he was up there with President Trump on Saturday night, but yes. President Trump calling out election fraud. However, one of the so-called examples, president Trump likes to cite is the election fraud of Arizona. And after a Republican back review of the presidential election there in the grand Canyon state, it came to an end Friday. According to reports, it came to an end without producing proof to support the former president's false claims of a stolen election. Now, This report says it was a false claim. Trump started citing all kinds of stuff, and I don't have that information to share with you today, of what he called election fraud in Arizona. And he says what happened there was on steroids in the state of Georgia. Again, if President Trump's going to keep saying this kind of stuff, he's got to have proof. He's got to have smoking guns and not just try to convince everybody it was fraud, even though most Republicans believe that fraud was involved. I think it's around 70% of Republicans have already come out and said they believe that there was election fraud, and that was a factor in Joe Biden's election as president. But President Trump, for those of us who certainly think you have the right to say whatever you say, it sure would make you look smarter, and it sure would be better for Republicans who back you to not look like fools. And, uh, you know, something out of Arizona. You know, Jerry Maguire, that movie was set there in the Phoenix area. And the line of that movie was, show me the money. Well, President Trump and somebody out there in Arizona or Georgia, show me the fake votes. Show them to me. Let me see them. Let the whole South see them. Otherwise, You're going to go down as perhaps a a crybaby. And we wouldn't want that, would we? (laughs) We're the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern accent. And we're not crying here. We're happy because we're going to put news on the back burner for just a few. And we're going to put sports on it. The front burner is awaiting sports. We're going to recap Sunday's craziness in the National Football League Later in the hour, we've got your AP Top 25 for college football. Way to go, Wolfpack. Way to go, Arkansas Razorbacks. We'll have all of that coming up here as the Y'all Show Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern continues.
1: we're planning a trip to Spain later this year.
2: But our Spanish
3: is
1: uh... <laughs> <It's> pretty
4: bad.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases, and with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas?
2: ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres?
3: ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently.
2: I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel.
1: There's no easier way to learn another language.
2: Ahora hablamos español.
1: He just said, now we speak Spanish.
2: I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel,
3: language for life, celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com, B-A-B-B-E-L.com.
2: Charlie boy used to go walking Sitting in the woods behind my house and Being lovers, man, a stolen and kiss Holding hands with nobody else around Charlie said he wanted to get married But we were only 10 so we have to pay Said we never like so many do these days. So we treat our love like a firefly, like it only gets to shine for a little while. Catch it in a
1: mason jar with holes in the top. Run like
0: All right, continuing on the Southern fun here on this first of the week. Getting going here with Talk with an Accent on all things Southern. Time to catch you up with all of the craziness of Sunday's NFL fun. And it was truly a historic day in the National Football League. You had the longest field goal made in NFL history go down Sunday. What a game as the Baltimore Ravens got a 66 yard field goal that means the ball had to be spotted at the opponent's 49 yard line essentially right at midfield and then it goes seven yards back when they snap the ball and then they kick it and the darn thing hit the crossbar and it went through i'm gonna tell you more about this successful kick in a minute but i I gotta first fill you in on all or most of the sunday action here because it truly was full of great great games and that's why here on y'all we like to fill you in on the national football league and a reminder we will be filling you in on college football and what happened saturday on grid irons across the sec acc and more and then we'll tell you about that amazing justin tucker kick in just a second but of course the week got going thursday of last week with the carolina panthers going down to houston and getting their third win of the year against the Houston Texans the Texans dropped to 1 and 2 after that Thursday night NFL Network broadcast the Panthers now getting ready for a trip to Dallas this week but as far as the other Sunday action from the NFL what a great win in overtime the Las Vegas Raiders for the second time already this year have had to go into overtime they were able to do, get a victory against The Baltimore Ravens, when they got to overtime before early in the season, and lo and behold, they had another team from the East Coast visiting the desert on Sunday. They went into overtime with the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins had actually jumped out in this game against the Raiders by, I think, 14 points early in the game, and the Raiders came storming back and got the victory in OT. What a great, great walk-off there in OT For the Raiders, with Daniel Carlson making the game-winning field goal, 31-28 Raiders over the Dolphins. Raiders now 3-0 on the year. The Bills, they have improved to 2-1. They picked up a victory at home against the Washington football team. Kareem Hunt got a touchdown en route for the Browns, 26-6 over Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Browns now jumping to 2 one on the season, we know that in Nashville is a battle of the AFC South, and the Titans got the best of the Indianapolis Colts. Colts now, O and three on the year, and they have at least in Nashville the Titans, a team that looks like it's got a whole lot of things going right for this team, especially with their most fierce competition, Indy, now being O and three, and Tennessee already getting a victory over them. Titans 25-16 early Sunday from Nissan Stadium. What a shocker in KC. It was Justin Herbert and the Chargers from L.A. going into Arrowhead, and they get a big win over the Chiefs, 30-24. to L.A. there in the final period, outscoring the Chiefs 16-7, to and that's enough to give them the road win. And the Chargers now 2-1 and one on the year, if not for that dramatic cowboy kick at the buzzer the previous week. L.A. would be undefeated on the season. You also had Sunday. What a great comeback for the New Orleans Saints! They go on the road to Foxborough and dominate the New England Patriots 28 to 13. A great, great performance by Jameis Winston, and he and the Saints come back two and one as their overall record. Patriots drop to one and two after the setback there to New Orleans. Atlanta's Falcons. Thanks to Mr. Koo there. Got a field goal as time expired to lift the winless Falcons to a victory 17-14 over the winless New York football giants. New York drops to 0-3. Atlanta is now 1-2. and 2. And getting ready for more NFC South fun when they have the opportunity. What a great upset in Pittsburgh Sunday. It was the Cincinnati Bengals going on the road. Joe Burrow and company. They were able to connect Chase... He and Chase, Burrow and Chase connecting for two touchdowns as Cincinnati got a victory over Pittsburgh. And Cincinnati, the Bayou Bengals of Cincinnati, now that Joe Burrow's their quarterback, 24-10 to over Pittsburgh Sunday afternoon. What a comeback it was for the Arizona Cardinals. They ended up being down at half, 13-7 to to Jacksonville, but they ended up using a 60-yard attempt At a field goal backfire, Jacksonville returned it for a 109-yard kick six. They got their own revenge, though. I think they had a pick six in this one. 31-19, Arizona improves to 3-0. Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jags are now 0-3. And Jacksonville, I think it's now been 18 games in a row they have gone down in defeat. Broncos silenced the New York Jets. 26-0, Zach Wilson with more INTs on Sunday. Broncos look to be the real thing. What a great job they did by getting Teddy Bridgewater in there in free agency. And the Bronx, 26-0 over the Jets, Bronx 3-0. As we told you, Raiders, with their victory, they're 3-0. So you got two teams, maybe not the two teams you expected to be on top of the AFC West. Chargers actually have a better record. Then the Chiefs, the Chiefs right now, are sitting at 1-2 and on the year. They're at the bottom of the AFC West. I don't think too many of you out there predicted that one. You know who else had a loss on Sunday? It was pretty boy Tom Brady in his first game ever in Los Angeles. He went out there to take on the Rams, and the Rams prevailed 34-24 as Matthew Stafford had four touchdowns and a huge win for the homestanding L.A. Rams. Minnesota got a much-needed victory. They knocked off the Seattle Seahawks 30-17 to 17 on Sunday. Your Monday Night Football game. It's a good one. A good NFC East tangle between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. AT&T Stadium in Arlington is where you can see this one on Monday Night Football on ESPN. Update on A.J. Brown. The Titans got the victory over Indy. A.J. Brown injured his hamstring in the 25-16 victory. Brown tweaked the hamstring in the first quarter and did not return as he only had eight snaps before coming out of the game. It ended up being a injury that we'll probably like to get more info coming forward from the former Mississippi Landshark offensive player who is now suiting up for the Tennessee Titans. But, we had hamstring injuries with Christian McCaffrey from Thursday. That's a common injury this time of year in the NFL. And we'll find out, again, more info with A.J. Brown's hamstring injury, how far, how long that is expected to affect the Tennessee Titans' great playmaker. Now back to that field goal, the 66-yard field goal. Man, what a tremendous, tremendous win for the Baltimore Ravens as they went into. Ford field there in Detroit and got the victory over the homestanding Detroit Lions. And again, part of the reason they even had a chance is it was just a few seconds left in the game when Baltimore got a chance to start on offense way deep in their air, on their own 10-yard line or somewhere around there. And they had a massive pass that was completed with about 10 seconds left. And they were able to just get a, a play where they could get a kick. And that ball got spotted at the 49-yard line of the opposing team. Again, you set the ball back seven yards from that. So it was a a kick of 66 yards for Justin Tucker. And he set an NFL record with the 66-yard field goal, the longest in NFL history. And that was a, enough to get a 1917 victory over Detroit on Sunday. Now his 66 yarder eclipsed Matt Prater's 64 yard field goal that happened. I think that game that he got that was in Denver and that was the longest in NFL history at the time. Amazing that the old Saints kickers record of kicking like a 61 yard field goal lasted for gosh 40 years and we've already seen in just the last couple of years two guys eclipse that amazing mark from back at Tulane Stadium in 1970, 71, whenever that happened, the guy, gosh, what a what a great memory that is for NFL fans. But yeah, the pass I was referencing there, Lamar Jackson got a fourth and 19. He got a 36-yard pass to Sammy Watkins to keep Baltimore alive, and ultimately that guy got, got the ball down to the 49, where Justin Tucker had a chance, a very very like one percent chance of successfully making that long kick and he did it and it was a huge victory there and part of the thrill of week three of the nfl and it was indeed a thrilling weekend in professional football and it's not over again eagles and cowboys hated rivals going up on monday night football it was also a heated weekend on the college football gridiron when we come back We will recap the weekend, give you the latest AP poll of college football, and that is coming up after this timeout.
1: Deb's constipation with belly pain discomfort and bloating kept giving her grief she talked to her doctor to get some relief turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC which was a start saying yes to S helped her do her part.
5: Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe. Stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with ibs Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by AbbVie and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals.
0: The SMU Mustangs, they captured the iron skillet battle against their hated rival from Fort Worth on Saturday. And that was some of the great college football action that went down. We had some other big upsets. Hey, welcome back to the Y'all Show. Talk with an accent on all things Southern. And we will take a few moments to catch you up on the AP poll of college football. The new one came out Sunday, but we start off our college football recap from the weekend with tragedy. And this comes to us from Salt Lake City, where the University of Utah is located, and a player from the Utes, Aaron Lowe. He is a Texas native. He was killed in an off-campus feud. A gunfight erupted on Saturday after the Utes had a football game at home, and Aaron Lowe fatally shot in Salt Lake City. And that follows... Just a year less than when his teammate and his childhood friend, a guy from the same town back in Texas, Ty Jordan, got killed in an accidental shooting. In fact, Aaron Lowe wore Ty Jordan's number there for the Utes in honor of his late friend Ty Jordan. And the 21-year-old died on the scene in a shooting at a house party in the Sugar House neighborhood section of Salt Lake City, Utah. And just... Amazing that this, I mean, amazing in a horrible way that this would happen to two guys, both from Texas, both from the same town, Mesquite, both, I think, high school teammates there at Mesquite, Texas, going to the University of Utah. And now, less than a year later, they're both dead. One from an accidental shooting, and in this case, from the weekend, Aaron Lowe killed in an off campus shooting. One other person was also shot. In this unfortunate tragedy coming from the Beehive State. Now, another player with a famous last name in the news, as he is in intensive care with a lung injury, and that is Rhett Rod- Rodriguez, the son of former West Virginia, former coach, I think he went on to be a great coach at Arizona before some things happened out there, Rich Rodriguez, Rich Rod, his son, Rhett, hospitalized and intensive care with a lung injury that he suffered in a game against the Troy Trojans. And that happened on Saturday as Louisiana Monroe is coached right now by Terry Bowden. And I didn't realize that this happened until the story just came out late Sunday. As Rich Rodriguez wrote in a tweet Sunday, our family would like to thank everyone who's reached out with their thoughts and prayers for Rhett. He's currently in the ICU at the hospital because of a lung injury from last night's game against Troy. Rodriguez told ESPN that his son, again, who is a quarterback for the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, that his son is on a ventilator in the ICU. More to come on this story again. Rich Rod went on from West Virginia to Michigan and then Arizona. And his son is a graduate transfer who was with Rodriguez at Arizona and has now come in to ULM to be a coach there, playing for Coach Bowden. In that game, Rodriguez against Troy completed 10 of 16 passes for 131 yards and a touchdown, and they got the victory against Troy, 29-16. to 16. I saw him play Jackson State just about two weeks ago. I tuned in and saw some of Rhett Rodriguez's Action there against Deion Sanders' team. And yeah, they got that victory against JSU, the Tigers, and that one. But just our thoughts there with the Rodriguez family as Rhett Rodriguez, at least, and the latest reports I'm seeing in intensive care. Our thoughts are certainly with that family in this very, very difficult time. One other quick update from the college football world from this past weekend. Defensive tackle Brian Breesey is out for the season with a torn ACL. He plays for the Dabo Sweeney coach Clemson Tigers. Clemson went down in defeat Saturday against NC State. Now, he wasn't the only player to be hurt Saturday. Running back Will Shipley is expected back later in the season as Shipley had a leg injury, and he's expected to be only out a couple of weeks. Also, linebacker James Scalcy left the game with a shoulder injury and according to Dabo, he's going to be fine, but needs to be further evaluated. But Clemson, again, losing defensive tackle Brian Breesey with a bad injury there out for the season with a torn ACL. A Georgia Southern change of head coaches. As Georgia Southern, after a 1-3 and start, has fired head coach Chad Lunsford. Big news out of Statesboro. This happened on Sunday as he... Guided Georgia Southern to 10 wins back in 2018 and consecutive bowl appearances for three years going into this fall. After they got their first victory against Gardner Webb, Georgia Southern has since lost to Florida Atlantic, the Arkansas Razorbacks, and the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. And GSU, there in Statesboro, they like to get after that you know what? Chad Lunsford out of a job, fired after a 1 and 3 start. Quick look at the AP top 25, Alabama remains number one, Georgia, which absolutely destroyed Vanderbilt this past weekend. They actually got four first place votes of their own. Georgia's checking in number two in the latest AP top 25. Oregon's at three, Penn State moves up a couple of spots, the Nittany Lions are at four, Iowa stays where they were from last week, number five, Oklahoma actually slips down a few spots, they are six in the latest AP poll. Cincinnati's at 7. Arkansas, what a win they had against Texas A&M. The Hogs at number 8 in the latest AP poll. Notre Dame, after their big win in Chicago over Wisconsin, they check in at number 9. Gators of Florida move up to number 10. Ohio State drops down to 11. Mississippi's at 12. BYU is at 13. Michigan, 14. Aggies drop 8 spots to number 15. Coastal Carolina's at 16 this week, and they are there right before Michigan State as Sparty. Ranked number 17, Fresno State 18, Oklahoma State 19, UCLA moved up to number 20 this week. Congratulations to the Baylor Bears. They're back in the top 25 at number 21. Auburn moved up to number one after a scare against Georgia State. NC State has entered the poll after they defeated Clemson. And NC State, the pack, at 23. Wake Forest, undefeated Wake Forest, is at 24. And another ACC team is at number 25. That is Clemson. Clemson barely hanging on to a ranking after they got beat by nc state in double overtime there at carter finley when we come back on the y'all show we're going to wrap up this first hour of the show about the south with a quick look at some southern history as we have our southern history spotlight on this monday edition of the show that's all about the south
6: It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed. It's time to try something different.
5: Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6 and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBS-C. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals.
0: Wrapping up this first hour of y'all with a quick look at some Southern history. And this week, we honor the legacy of Cordell Hull of Tennessee. As he received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1945 for his role establishing the United Nations, President Roosevelt, FDR, often referred to Cordell Hull as the father of the United Nations. Cordell Hull, born in 19... or rather 1871 in olympus tennessee and again a guy from tennessee who was once the volunteer state's senator back in the 1930s before going on to be the 47th united states secretary of state cordell hull born this week back in 1871 also this week we honor truman capote born in new orleans in 1924 he died in 1959 and Truman Capote, known for his novels like Breakfast at Tiffany's and the crime novel In Cold Blood. And he, a great novelist, screenwriter, playwright from New Orleans. Truman Capote, born September 30th, 1924, died in 1984. More, of y'all, coming
5: up, hour two. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of.
0: Only you can prevent
4: wildfires.
5: Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless, dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.
0: Back for more Hour 2 of Y'all, the show about the Southeast. Thank you so much for tuning us in on great radio stations. And a reminder, not only can you find us on those great radio stations of the Southland, you also can listen to this show, the Y'all Show, whenever and wherever you want to, because we are available at y'all.com. We're also available in podcast form. We're on the iHeart app, the TuneIn radio app, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, and we are on Apple Podcast. That plus a whole, whole lot more. Trying to make it extremely easy for you to navigate over and find the Y'all Show. When you go to your favorite podcast app or whatever way you want to listen to us, just simply search for Y'all Show and you should be able to find us and you should be then be able to instantly get the show each and every day that we have a new y'all show ready for you to download. It works that easy. It's absolutely free. And each one of those podcast options also give you the choice to share. So you can just text it on over. You can email a link if you'd like. You can copy a link of the podcast if you would prefer that route and make it so everybody on your block, and I don't care if you're in the middle of the rural south and your block might be 20 miles long by another 30 miles, Let everybody in your block know about y'all talk with a southern accent. John Rawl is my name. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to us on Great Stations or if you're getting us in podcast form. Let me tell you what's up here this second hour. We've got to look at headlines that we'll continue on with in a second. And then in just a few minutes, it's that guy from Takapola, Jerry Short. He's dropping by and we're going to have some fun talking to Jerry. That's coming up in just a few. Before the hour is up, Melissa Rhodes is going to be dropping by. She's got a southern accent on delicious, yummy southern food. Can't wait for that. That's all coming up here, our number two. Our number, 803-816-1170. Would love to hear from all y'all. Okay, continuing on with the headlines of across the southeast, as we told you, our number one, we have a Category 4 storm out in the Atlantic right now, Hurricane Sam. And at least as of Sunday evening, the winds from Hurricane Sam had tied Hurricane Ida. That storm ended up becoming a Category 5 storm at one time. Hurricane Sam just, just, fingers crossed here, double crossed. This thing appears that it might just scoot way out in the Atlantic and missed the entire Atlantic seaboard. Already reports are out this thing should not be a threat to the Gulf Coast states. So that's positive news for all of you, especially Louisiana, who've been sucker-punched already by Ida and other unfortunate storms in the last year. Hurricane Sam, the latest storm with winds around 150 miles per hour. This thing is going to be moving north. And it's expected later in the week to be somewhere east of the Bahamas. But luckily, it looks like it's projected to be far enough east that it might just scoot on more northward toward the Bermuda area and miss out on the Atlantic side of the United States coastline. That would be very welcome news. To the state capital of Kentucky, And that's where you'll find Kentucky State University, the only publicly HBCU in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And a story is out that Kentucky State is going to need emergency funding to stay open through the end of the year. That, according to the vice president for finance at Kentucky State University, he told lawmakers there in the state capitol that at a budget hearing on Friday, Gregory Rush is his name. He said, we are confident. We're going to be able to make it to January. We believe we can make it through April. Now, Kentucky State University announced in August that it owes about $13 million, and that includes $3 million in vendor invoices and about $5 million to clear construction invoices. Now, several KSU officials have resigned, including a board member and a chief financial officer of the HBCU in Frankfort. Kentucky State University reported in April it received positive results from its annual independent financial audit with a budget surplus of 2.3 million dollars in fiscal year 2020. Somebody needs to look into the books there after all this turmoil. The governor of Kentucky, Andy Beshear, has ordered a review into university finances by the Kentucky Council on Postsecondary Education. Come on, Kentucky. Right there, it's the only college in the state capital. Frankfort, Kentucky is not a very big place. Let me give you the latest population for Frankfort while I'm thinking about it. As Frankfort right now has a population, well, this is old information. Back in 2010, they were just shy of 26,000, the seat of Franklin County, Kentucky. And you've got a city of 26,000. It's the only college that I'm aware of in Frankfurt and the state capitals there. And they're having this kind of budget problem. Come on, Andy sure, Get your house. Get your university. Get your commonwealth in order. We need to get our border in order. Man, over the weekend, it seemed like every show had on people commenting on that picture taken last week of the border patrol officers on horseback and there were Haitians crossing the Rio Grande and that photo looked disturbing to many. I actually heard an interview of the person who took the photo and if you haven't heard it you should hear it because there are sides of this story that have taken that photo and it made it sound like slavery was back in america that 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 was happening with the border patrol i mean maxine waters essentially said that kamala harris her reaction was about the same but the person that took that photo around where were they del rio texas i think said that no one was struck by the reins of that horse that it was not what it appeared They say a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, evidently, his picture taken on the border was not his words when it got released to the public. It was whatever people thought it was going to be. But yeah, a different story you might not have heard about. Another story you might not have heard about. Fourteen Mexican soldiers were briefly detained by U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And these 14 Mexican soldiers did not realize they had entered the United States. You know, that'd be kind of hard to to do. How could you not know that you crossed into the United States? And they did this after they crossed a border bridge in El Paso. I think these guys might have been a little bit on the tequila there. Some call it tequila. Uh, U.S. Customs and Border Patrol said that the two Mexican military vehicles crossed the bridge that links El Paso to Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, in the early hours of Saturday. CBP said the soldiers, their weapons and equipment, were secured for safety and processing. And the soldiers noted they did not realize they had entered the United States. Well, at least they were in a vehicle, to their credit. Maybe they're not quite as on tequila as I thought they might be. One of the Mexican soldiers reportedly was assessed a civil penalty after Customs and Border Patrol officers discovered a personal use amount of marijuana in his possession. Okay, forget what I just said about tequila. These guys were token it, chichin chong style, and they crossed a bridge into this country in their Mexican army or military outfits. And I thought sometimes our military was a little bit wacky. Hmm. Photos posted on social media show about a half dozen Mexican Army soldiers in full tactical gear sitting on the side of the road by this border bridge. It was unclear if they were handcuffed. You reckon these folks might get processed back in Mexico City as tr- as as traitors? As people trying to leave Mexico and go to the United States? Hmm. Don't know, and surely to goodness, I hope somewhere in recorded history, Americans haven't accidentally gone into Mexico and didn't realize it. I bet a lot of American soldiers have gone over there, and especially some of the border towns, and gotten maybe a little tequila and other things that are evidently a lot cheaper and perhaps a lot more thrilling on that side of the border. Something tells me, though, that the Mexican officials probably wouldn't arrest our military they would probably try to bribe them or the one guy from a couple of years ago remember that walked across the border with some maybe a gun or something and he was in jail for a long long time president trump got him out by the way y'all talk with an accent on the south and on our southern border too we will take a break a guy that knows a little bit about that southern border is jerry short mm, you think we should bring that up with him i don't know But I do have something I'm going to bring up with him that I think he's got to have an opinion on, and we'll do that. It's our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, and he's going to be on with us after this break of the Y'all Show An Accent About the South. That's what we do each and every day.
1: Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part.
5: Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe Stop taking S and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with C. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to S. Learn more at Lenzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Abbott and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals.
0: We're back on Y'all Talk with an Accent on all things Southern. I'm John Rawl with our Coca-Pola storyteller, Jerry Short. And for the next little bit, sit back, enjoy the great conversation of our storyteller, Jerry. Hope you are doing good.
4: Well, in the situation as it is, I guess uh, good as can be expected. That's right. Worldwide. That's
0: right. All right, Jerry, let me tell you, I traveled this past weekend And I did something that I've seen before, but it wasn't until I was in my destination that I really felt the pain of not being in this category. And I want to talk to you about this because I know I don't think you've had grandchildren that fall in this category, but you've had grandchildren who've been very involved with their sports. Jerry, I happened to be in an area this past weekend where travel ball took over the area so much so jerry that i had to end up not being going to have a chance to eat at the place i chose to eat sunday the place was full up of travel ballers many of which traveled hundreds of miles to come to the sports complex and they have these contests going on throughout sunday afternoon These kids won't get back home to wherever they're from, oftentimes until midnight. They got school the next day. Their parents have to work. Jerry, what is going on with this travel ball phenomenon?
4: Well, you know, my kids go to academies, private school, and they stay pretty busy. They've got, uh, I've got a granddaughter now that's in five different sports. But when you mentioned being out so late and so long, you know, like she's playing soccer now and uh they've got uh basketball coming up immediately well the two of the best basketball girls uh they do the travel basketball because they want to get better at basketball and they're letting a couple other sports slide where my granddaughter plays all three of these sports that they're talking i'm talking about but i do know they stay on the road a heck of a lot because my granddaughter filled in for one it was sick and had to go to alabama to play for one game of basketball. And uh, they stay on the road. As a matter of fact, in Oxford, they're getting ready to build a big new complex for that purpose, I think. It's gonna be a lot for that, a lot of travel ball stuff. They're spending seven, eight, nine million dollars on it. And they say it'll bring into the city of Oxford something like 17 million dollars. So travel ball is gonna be hard to stop because like everything else you know it's about the money and that obviously it's in travel ball and now i've uh none of my children have ever did the travel ball thing but i do know a lot that have and it's usually in basketball more than any other sport uh you know that but the other sports kind of take care of themselves locally but we do have to travel a heck of a lot i mean my kids have been on the road. They might be on one side of the state one day and on the other side of the state the next day. It's two hundred miles across the state. And they don't get home till midnight or later. And when I was a statistician for that school, we'd get home one o'clock from Jackson coming in on by bus, you know, a lot of nights and it's really taxing, you know, the kids had to they'd get under a blanket and put over their head and study with a flashlight. You know things like that to get stay academically sharp. And I know one of our best girls; she made 34 on her ACT, so she must have stayed under the blanket pretty good. And then she was the uh, first—I think she was the first accountant CPA and uh, youngest in Mississippi. So you know you can do it, but hey, I wouldn't recommend it. I think it's uh, just—I think it's pushing that envelope just a little bit too far. That's just my opinion. But when you got your kids. And you got them traveling with some unknown coach. I know our baseball players we've got two or three baseball players at our school that uh, has a coach that uh is a named coach. His daddy coaches a college team and he travels he's you know and that bunch has a name and they go all over and they travel and they play play all the time so uh but that kid uh he does play football he's a quarterback and one of their best baseball players on this travel. Travel uh, baseball team, so uh, yeah, you know you hit on something. If if you go in a place or in a restaurant, I've been caught up in that same same situation you're talking about, uh, where everybody comes in and you look at, hey, where are they from? Because I don't recognize that uniform, I don't recognize the jersey, and then you'll go out and you'll look at car tags, and yet they they might be two states away, you know, two three states away, so they're they're on the road. And and that's not a good thing either, being on the road all the time. And, uh, hey, with gas prices today, it's not a good thing on anybody.
0: I heard, and heard about this travel ball-targeted super athletic center you refer, referred to a minute ago. And part of the justification for this town building this thing is that the kids from that area have to go more than an hour away to go to a similar site. This is a similar site that's got more athletic fields. It's got some kind of indoor complex where you can, I guess, have soccer fields indoors of some type. And you mentioned almost a $10 million expense. This thing is being created not for the young kids. It's really more for the preteens and up until about 18 years of old. And they're, again, citing other communities that have these things already. So that just means the pressure is on almost every community in the South to generate another $10 million. And, Jerry, my problem with that is, yes, Travel Ball does help fill up hotels. I know the hotel I stayed in this past weekend, it had mostly Travel Ballers staying at a fairly nice hotel, by the way. Rather expensive hotel. And so you've got communities benefiting from the tourism aspect but what about the kids and here's my gripe what about the kids who aren't part of that travel ball but are still part of the local recreation league they get sent to the back these weekends now have been completely booked up by travel balls players at all these really nice complexes across the southeast so if you're a local kid not devoted to a travel ball team you're lucky to get any kind of activity during the week or never on the weekend because these communities make big money charging big money for people to go in to see these travel ball tournaments
4: that's kind of like i opened a while ago and it's all about money now how do you shut that valve off you just almost can't and uh, you know they do travel they do spend money and they have a lot of sponsorships also people sponsor them you know you're talking about them staying in a real nice hotel yeah they're staying in a real nice hotel but there may be one or two people that are really pumping money into this travel baseball or basketball team, but I know that for a fact, and I know who's, I know some of the people that do that, and they pump considerable amount of money into, if they have a child that they think has potential. You know, they get really deeply involved then, in, and they will pump money, and we're not talking about just a little bit of money. They'll pump a lot of money into it. They'll even pump it in for local facilities and places they can even practice, at home, indoor facilities. I know uh, we're kind of building one now for baseball at our place because of that same thing, and they do travel and do that. But these same money people are building an indoor batting place and a baseball pretty good size arena that they're building at a at a, cat at a private school that they can practice when they're not on the road on the travel team. So, I mean, I don't know how you shut it down. It You know, it, it looks like it's kind of getting bigger. I've watched it get bigger and bigger and bigger. Of course, obviously, uh, with my age and, and even your age, it wasn't like when you came along. Nah. Well, you know, it wasn't that way when you, come on, when you came along, John. You know, we did our one thing. If you were really good in one or two sports, hey, that was it. You know, you didn't try to develop it all year. And that's what they're doing now because they think it's a leg up on a scholarship to a college or big time, or something like that. And that's the reason they push it so much. And that's the reason that if you got a really good kid and you got a deep pocketbook, hey, that's the reason you spend that money on it. It's the reason you advertise, it. that's the reason you send them. And that's, like you said, it does, It it puts some money in a community that has the facility, like we talked about. That one is getting ready to build one. I know they're going to have basketball arena inside, basketball gym inside. They're going to have a soccer complex, I think, inside. Maybe even tennis, and they're going to have three outdoor things. It's on 36 acres, you know. So, And it's right in town. And you know what land is per acre in this neighborhood that we're talking about? I'm telling them. Well, <clears throat> the cheapest I've heard has been 15000 an acre. You know, that's the, and it's got... It'll be cleared. The landscaping is going to be a heck of a lot of expense too, because I've walked over some of that area, and it's got some gullies in, it and it's got some of this. So I mean, you're looking at, say, I say, fifteen thousand an acre. Okay, fifteen thousand an acre turns into twenty thousand when you landscape it. So look what they're spending. That's the reason it's costing seven, eight, nine million to probably make, they say it'll be worth to the community. A dollar turns over seven times, they say, in a community. Well, if it turns over seven times, 17, 18, 20 million a year, you know, they think it's worthwhile. Plus, as you mentioned earlier, I think I heard you say, you know, they have to travel. And it starts at about a 13, 14-year-olds that they're more concerned about from there on up to 18 Do they graduate from high school. They have to travel, say, um uh, a hundred miles or daily. Some of them talk like it's almost daily, uh, so they can keep up. You know, they can keep up with this stuff, and that's that's really it's getting out of hand when it comes out. And but if you build one in your community, hey, you know you're up, you you got a ladder up,
0: and it becomes an arms race between all these communities. And I know you referred a private school has gone in and kind of built a custom bull whatever they call that batting cages and all that look private schools aren't alone public schools also are having that pressure to, to kind of beef up their facilities and more and it's just going to continue to be a big big thing going forward i will also add in i saw at my hotel this past weekend a, a, one of these youngsters who are part of a travel ball team come down through the lobby Jerry, there's no way this kid could have been any more than seven years old. He would have had to have been seven or six. He was a little small guy. And I think they really do have travel teams, and they really are putting a big focus on baseball for kids who haven't even made it into third or fourth grade at this point.
4: That's exactly what they're doing. And, uh, you know, when we come along, it was sandlot ball, and it was just as good. You may have actually, you know, I'm sure Johnny Bench and Pete Rose learned playing sandlot ball. They didn't need to be traveling all over the doggone country, and they didn't need to be uh, hauled around, and somebody didn't need to be buying them a steak because they played pretty good that afternoon, you know. So it's uh it's out of hand, but uh, hey, it's not the only thing out of hand, John. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of things that's getting out of hand, and it's all going to come to a screeching halt one of these days.
0: You're saying a strikeout's going to happen.
4: A strikeout as the plate is coming and you can get ready for it and i just can't see how it can continue you know now you know the rich seem to get richer you know that's an old saying and if they're willing to go ahead and uh invest their uh i would say hard-earned money but sometimes when you get richer and richer it's not that hard-earned money but if you would go ahead and invest that money in it um it'll keep going and then you you can take these other kids along with them because like i said there's sponsorships sponsorships and uh and he was talking about the public schools, too. A friend of mine that's a principal in a school in Jackson told me the other day that they're uh, building an indoor practice facility for a high school that's actually bigger than the Mississippi State indoor facility.
0: As in the Bulldogs.
4: And in the Bulldog Mississippi State facility at Stark Vegas, Mississippi. And so, uh, or Stark Patch, I forget. It's one of the two. But uh, anyway, they're building this thing, and I know last year they thought that they had an artificial turf at this public school. They thought it was too hot, so they changed it out, and they've got another thing besides that crushed uh, rubber that you put in. It, it makes it a little hotter. They've put it's crushed uh, wood, and they're crushing wood and putting it in that artificial grass feels. So they call it because it's cooler, and they can wet it down. Now, they went to that expense of about $300,000 to change just that cover at this high school, a public high school. Now, you got a lot of tax money going some places that everybody's not getting a handle on. It looks to me like, you know.
0: I think you're right on that. We are talking to our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short. He always has something to say and plenty to say about it. You know what? We're not done with our Takapolo storyteller. When we come back, we're going to switch over from travel ball to November 22nd, 1963. We will talk about that day in history and really why we're talking about it today. It was this week in 1964, the Warren Commission came out and I want to get Jerry Short's take on that period of our American and Southern history that's coming up next here on talk with a Southern accent.
1: We're planning a trip to Spain later this year.
2: But our Spanish
3: uh,
1: <laughs> is pretty
0: bad.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases, and with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De
2: dónde eres?
3: No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently.
2: I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel.
1: There's no easier way to learn another language.
2: Ahora hablamos español.
1: He just said, now we speak Spanish.
2: I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures.
3: Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L dot com.
0: Continuing on with Talk with a Southern Southern Accent, John Rawl, joined by our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short. Jerry, as we referred in hour number one today, this week marks the anniversary of the release of the Warren Commission. 1964, this week, this thing came out of course chaired by the then head of the Supreme Court Supreme Court Justice what was it Earl Warren and that report of course covering the assassination of John F Kennedy And you and I really haven't, we've talked a lot about Elvis, and we've talked a lot about the good old days, but we haven't really spent a lot of time talking on the death of John F. Kennedy. So with this week marking the release of the Warren Commission report, I want to get your thoughts on maybe the accuracy of that and the lingering questions that you might have as a Takapola storyteller and what everybody around Takapola was thinking in 1963 and 1964 when all this was going on
4: well you know you go back to when that happened uh mr uh president kennedy wasn't really favorite in our part of the country uh why and, well uh we had had a lot of problems that uh that was coming off of the ride at uh, Ole miss At uh he sent uh 20 something thousand troops into a small town of seven or eight thousand and a university of a few thousand which you know, I'm sure the university was probably and the people were probably wrong and he probably had the right to do that. But he still it, it didn't make him popular. So when that happened, when he was actually assassinated, uh coming out of Dallas, uh by the at the Grassy Knoll and the uh depository, book depository that they say that James Earl Ray was uh in, you know, that's still a lot of there's a lot of conspiracy about all that to this day people still don't really know that uh, they don't really blame uh, Oswald I meant a while ago I think I said James Earl Ray that's uh, a that's an assassin one. Yeah. but uh, 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 Lee Harvey Oswald you know we saw that live on TV when Jack Ruby killed him you know when the police was moving him to another location in Dallas but uh, the way it all unfolded, they say that he shot him from the uh, uh, book depository on the Grassy Knoll on the right side as you come down that hill. I've been there before, and it, there's always some conspiracy nut hanging around, and they'll tell you, let us show you how it was done and what happened. And I'll say, well, I thought that, you know, maybe we went on what the Warren Commission was for. But uh, as you mentioned the Warren Commission, you know, it, it came out, it came out with details, but were the details accurate or what not? You know, they, they, uh, they froze the information on most of that stuff for 50 years. Well, we've passed that 50-year mark, and I don't think they've let all the information out yet. There's still things that we don't know about that. You know, a lot of people in those day, days said the mafia out of New Orleans had something to do with it, that Oswald, even though he had been in Russia and he was married to a Russian at the time, I think, they they uh, uh of course i was in high school uh but still you know we talked it and we lived it and it was uh you know you didn't have a three networks on tv in those days so you got what walter cronkite said or huntley and brinkley said on nbc and they would pretty well inform you of what they knew but what did they know nobody really knew you know if you look at the place and i've stood on that grassy knoll at dallas a few times and listen to a few of those uh, conspiracy theorist guys and they'll tell you always over here in this hedgerow and you know you look at the angle of the uh, bullet that would have hit the president uh, it couldn't have come from that direction you know I'm I'm no uh, I'm no gun expert on uh, the directory of the weapon that it would the bullet would have came from but I don't even see how it could have come from the top of the Depository uh, building at the uh, at the book depository there on the other side. If you're shooting out that winder, the way Kennedy failed, it still didn't look right to me. You know, and I'm not i consp- uh, I'm not one of these people that just goes for hey this conspiracy and that conspiracy. You know, I I, I believe facts you know need to be factual, and uh, a theory is a theory, and I think that's really all they really have. I think there was more involved. I don't think one person could have pulled that off. And by Jack Ruby, who came in there and shot Oswald as he was coming out that day, you know, that was like the next day they was moving him, transporting him to another location. And he walked right up on him because he was supposedly friends with the police in Dallas. He was able to walk right up in his stomach and shoot him, and he killed him right there. And that was on live TV and uh, that they did that. They was filming him as he came out. So uh, it's kind of like when his brother was killed, you know, in in uh, Los Angeles, when Robert uh, was killed. And, you know, that was all covered, too, about the same way. And they never really, you know, I think this guy got parole the other day, Sirhan Sirhan, that killed uh, Robert Kennedy. And, uh, the, well, he, I don't know if he's out yet, but the family, the Kennedy family, agreed that, uh, hey, he had done his time, we believe in... Uh, going ahead if you've done your time we're for releasing him and and i'm not i'm not necessarily for releasing a guy that murdered the guy running for president at the time even though i would have been for barry goldwater or whoever the other candidate was at that time and uh it sure wasn't lbj uh so anyway uh yeah i think you i think you hit on something with that warren uh
0: so I'm asking, do you have in 2021, do you as a guy who was not quite an adult in 1963, but you were aware of what was going on with the Warren Commission and, of course, the assassination in 63, do you trust what they came out in 64 with?
4: No, I don't. And, and, I, and I hate to say this, but it's hard to trust the government. The government had been proven so many times, so wrong, and he had so many things from the people that, um, you know, and like I mentioned a while ago, theories and theories, I want it to be a fact, and it's got to be proven to be a fact to me, and they haven't proved it is a fact to government. When the government gets involved, I mean, you witness what's happened here as of late, you know, with what's going on currently with our military and what went on at January the 6th in Washington. We're not getting, we're not getting information from that is correct we're just getting information and it's it's media driven but i you know sometimes i I, my wife we talked about that today coincidentally and uh i said you know i believe the media i don't think they're covering for anybody or doing anything i think the fools really believe it what they're saying because nobody could they wouldn't cover anything up if they were true americans and that goes all the way back to 64 you know people in 64 felt the same way even though we weren't big fans of Kennedy down here. We and what do
0: you mean by down here?
4: Down here in the south.
0: The whole south?
4: I, well, the south that I knew, you know, which I never have really considered Virginia and uh, up that way, but I'd say Texas and Mississippi and Alabama and Florida and Louisiana and Georgia and Carolina, uh, South Carolina especially, uh, parts of North Carolina. That's what I mean when I say down here, really. Uh, and uh, Tennessee, obviously, you know, maybe a little of Kentucky, Boot Hill and Missouri, but you still, you still down, we're down here with a little different mindset than they have up north. And so they probably bought it hook, line, and sinker, but I don't think we did because it's, it's just always to me seemed like southerners. Want to know facts more than just a theory about something. And that, that's what I'm saying, John. I just, I just, I didn't buy into it because I saw the cover up on that riot that I mentioned earlier, that I felt, felt like the government covered up stuff on it. And then, uh, then you've got the Cuban Missile Crisis is all going on. You've got Castro going on. Oh, gosh, you've got the Suez Canal. I don't know if we were getting fed the. Uh, right information on anything. You you can go back to General Patton getting killed. You know, were we fed the right information on that by our government? I don't really think so. You know, I think Patton was probably killed. I don't think it was an accident. But that's an opinion. And it's not factual because I can't prove it. No, I'm not going to try to prove it. But I, that's still my opinion. And I'm not taking the theory that, hey, that flipped over and the only person killed was General Patton. But, I mean, you can go on back other than that but there's no need going on back any further but i think our government has always been pretty doggone good at covering up a lot of stuff and the kennedy assassination may be their biggest cover-up
0: and part of the reason that these kind of cover-ups happen is the government perhaps knows that if they really tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth things are going to spin even further out of control
4: that's true and they do you know and uh if they tell the truth, you know, which they they don't always, but you know, it it, it uh, it's kind of like uh, you whisper in my ear, and I whisper in the next guy's ear, and he whispers in the next guy's ear. By the time it gets to that tenth guy, we got a whole different story. So that's that's kind of one reason they probably do that, John. You probably hit on something with that, and yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, because. What what you think and what you see, you're going to twist it just a little bit, even if I just heard it from you. And I turn around, I'm not going to say it exactly the same. And the next guy's not. So the media does the same thing. And the government, sometimes I think the government is a lot more intentional doing it, uh, obviously. Uh, it's kind of proving out now. You know, I've always felt that way. i felt that way for 65 years or however long it's been now. You know, probably 62 I'll date myself a little bit here, when I was, could think like that, of fact or theory. But my mother was one who would stick that in my head. Don't believe anything anybody tells you unless it's a, you can prove it's a fact, son. And, you know, I kind of bought into that uh, philosophy. And I've kind of always stuck with it on current events or national events or world events. And uh, so the Warren Commission... They, uh, I don't even know who was on that Warren commission. I wish I could tell you who all. Well,
0: one of them was, and this is a really interesting audio call from the time that LBJ was president. He made the call to his old fellow senator. This particular senator was out of Georgia, Senator Russell. And Russell, if you've ever heard that call LBJ makes to him, essentially says, I am not going to serve with that man. He's talking about Warren uh the 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 justice of the supreme court and LBJ essentially forces senator russell who the senate office building in dc currently is named after this segregationist senator from georgia at that time so there were people like russell who did not want to serve on the commission but essentially were forced to
4: yeah they did and you know back in those days the democratic party is not today's democratic party so you know that forcing thing to be uh Fair and impartial committee, not necessarily was fair and impartial. And Russell may be a really good example of that. And uh, I don't really uh, know any other names that's on it. I need to do some research on that uh, and find out. Not that it's going to matter now, but if they was going to release, since the Warren Commission released that earlier, and then they locked all this information up for 50 years, and then they still didn't release all the information. Hey, there's something else swept under the rug, and and we're not going to ever know probably, especially with uh, the the situation we have in Washington D.C. today, with who's running the uh, government today. They're they're gonna they sweep a lot of stuff under. We're not finding out about down in this part of the world, you know, which would be you don't want me to name those states again. But in that same area, uh, I think we're we're in for a long haul that we're going to have to dang keep our eyes open and our ears open and watch what's happening because the Warren Commission is past history and there will be another one. Well, they're investigating the January 6th situation at the White House now and the Capitol. You know, and that was... That was really, I mean, I may be speaking way out of turn, but to me, that was really minute. I've been in a lot worse situations than that. It looked to me like the Capitol Police were just a bunch of scaredy cats. Looked like they had their sissy blue on to me. I don't know. (laughs) He's
0: he's crediting Ed Run with that one. Jerry, we got to get out of here. Again, this week marks that anniversary of the Warren Commission report being released in 1964 as that commission was tasked with finding out what really happened with the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Jerry, hope your week is good. Thank you again for coming on. Y'all talk with a southern accent with your Takapola storytelling report.
4: Enjoy it, pal, and I can't wait to next time and we'll lighten it up a little bit, maybe.
0: We will do that. We'll have more of y'all. We'll keep this second hour a-going right after this on the show that's all about the South.
6: It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. We agreed it's time to try something different.
5: Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals.
2: Southern Accent.
1: Here's what's cooking in the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Georgia Cooking for the Soul on YouTube is back at it. This time, she's got the tricks on how to make Southern Cracklin bread. All you need is cornmeal, flour, one egg, milk, Cracklins, and salt. But Miss Georgia's got one extra trick she puts in the mix.
4: This is a self-rising flour and self-rising meal, but I still just put a little pinch of, just a pinch of bacon powder in it because I like my bread to rise. You know, I want it to rise more than it would without it in it. If I didn't put that extra in it, it'll rise just a little bit, but I would like for it to rise real high. This is mixed up, I'll pour it in this pan, bake it, 375, until it, it brown all the way.
1: Recipes, tips, headlines, and more at you com.
0: Oh, Miss Georgia. <sighs> Boy, that looks really good if you saw what i saw you'd be rushing off to the kitchen right now and try to take up the advice that she's given in that delicious southern food talk and we appreciate melissa rhodes for sharing that with us here as we close out hour number two hour three is just ahead of this the show about the south this is the y'all show and we got a special surprise it has been a record summer for tourism on the gulf coast places like alabama and florida And I've got some of the great tourism numbers coming in, and we'll share that with you in Hour 3. That plus some sports info and more news headlines. This is y'all.
1: we're planning a trip to Spain later this year.
2: But our Spanish uh,
1: <laughs> is pretty bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> when you learn a
3: language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases, and with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas?
2: ¿Cómo te llamas?
3: ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently.
2: I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel.
1: There's no easier way to learn another language.
2: Ahora hablamos español.
1: He just said, "Now we speak Spanish."
2: I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life.
3: Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com.
6: I'm jumping in with my clothes on.
3: Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage,
5: you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: covering everything southern we are y'all our text line is open if you want to reach out to us we would love to hear from you that number 803-816-1170 my name is John Rawl. I am your host, and we've already knocked out two hours of Southern Conversation. Why don't you say we do it one more hour? And boy, we got a great hour. We've got more sports updates to tell you about here to start off the hour. We've got more news to cover later on in the hour. But we also have some positive news coming in from the Gulf Coast states of Alabama and Florida. As we have just seen some great tourism records achieved over the summer months. 2020, the Gulf Coast, right there on the panhandle of Florida, and the lower Alabama area, if you will, got hit hard with so many people choosing to not go to the beach because of the pandemic. And it looks like in some, if not many ways, the great tourism cities along those two states caught up and they caught up in a big way. We will share with you the record tourism summer that Alabama and the panhandle of Florida just witnessed. We love to tell you good stuff. And that's what is going to be shared with you later in the hour. We also have more headlines to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. We've got an unbelievably happy story to tell you about as a 100-year-old World War II pilot. Got to go up in the skies again there in South Mississippi. And I'll share that story with you. And we got other good stuff that we'll be sharing as part of our headlines here in this final hour. Don't forget, y'all is available in podcast form. We're on the iHeart app, the TuneIn app, Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please do yourself a huge favor and give it a listen. And don't miss a single drop of the show about the Southeast. Let's do a quick sports recap to start off this third hour of our Southern fun and what a weekend it was for football. What a weekend it was for history being made. And history was made in a big way on Sunday by Baltimore Ravens field goal kicker Justin Tucker. He kicked an NFL record 66-yard field goal for the Baltimore Ravens and the birds from Baltimore got the walk off win over Detroit after he nailed this thing courtesy of a little bounce off the crossbar, and it went through and it was a win for Baltimore. Nineteen to seventeen over the winless Detroit Lions. After he made the kick. Tucker said, Thankfully, we found an extra yard and a half that I didn't have three hours before. I'm grateful for that. Tucker's 66 yarder beat out Matt Prater's 64 yard field goal back in 2013. That was the longest in NFL history at the time. Tucker is more than the record holder for the longest kick and the most accurate kicker in NFL history. He's also According to an article at ESPN, the most clutch. He improved to 16-for-16 16 16 in his NFL career on field goals in the final minute of regulation. Coach John Harbaugh of the Ravens said after the win, he's the best kicker in history. When you have a kicker like that, you want to give him an opportunity like that. For him to come through like this is just historic. Hey, John, pay the man. Put a gold coat on him in a couple of years in Canton, <laughs> and what a unbelievable win. Now, Tucker hit a 61-yard field goal that Baltimore used to win a game at Ford Field eight years ago, and that had been his previous career long, so he loves him some Ford Field. Yeah, he even said it, I love Detroit. I think I'm going to buy a place here. <laughs> well, Baltimore needs to pay the man and give him That Baltimore, rather Detroit, home that he's always wanted to have because that city has made him famous. Even though he plays ball in Baltimore, a historic day, Baltimore, with the thrilling win to move to two and one on the year. Elsewhere in Sunday's NFL action, Bills forty-three, WFT twenty-one. Browns gave Justin Fields the, the 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 loss. Browns 26-6 to over Chicago. The Titans in Nashville got a nice, nice effort in the fourth quarter, and that was enough to help propel them to victory over Indianapolis. 25-16. A.J. Brown did go out with a hamstring in, uh, injury, it looks like, for Tennessee in this victory over their AFC South rival Colts. Big win for Los Angeles, the Chargers at least. Chargers 30 Kansas City Chiefs, 24. What a good job, Justin Herbert. He and the Bolts are now 2-1 on the year. New Orleans, nice comeback after they lost in Charlotte the week before. Teddy Bridgewater and company. What am I saying? Uh, Jameis Winston and company. I've got something to say about Teddy right after I tell you about the Big Easy Saints. 28-13, New Orleans over. Mac Jones and the Pats, I think Mac threw 3 interceptions in this loss to the Saints. Now, back to Bridgewater for a second. Teddy Bridgewater, who's found a home in Denver, he and the ponies, or whatever a Bronco is, they got a big win on Sunday. And Denver is perfect on the year. Denver 26, New York Jets 0. Jets 0 and 3. Also Sunday, the New York football Giants went to 0-3 after Mr. Koo kicked the Atlanta Falcons to a win at the buzzer, 17-14. This was a day New York honored Eli Manning. Number 10 goes up in their Hall of Fame honor, jersey retired and more. And, by the way, Giants owner John Mara, loudly booed during the halftime ceremony for eli manning that's not nice i mean eli won you two super bowls and mara had something to do with that but what about this response that john mara owner of the Giants, said about his own fans booing him the giant's according to reports, dominated that first half against Atlanta, but went into the locker room trailing. And it ended up being their third loss of the year. They've lost all three times. They've suited up. And Mara in a hallway leading into a suite before the start of the third quarter. He said, I would boo two. He would boo himself too. He said, We're oh and two and down at half. Well They went on and lost as young Ho Koo with that 40-yard field goal with zeros on the clock sank the New York Giants to 0-3. And Daniel Jones is no Eli Manning. I know he was brought in to be an understudy. And I guess New York fans wanted a change ultimately, and they got that change. I bet you they'd like to have Eli back. And they would like to maybe not be booing John Mara, but maybe giving him a thumbs-up in support. Other scores from Sunday. You had the Steelers going down to the Bengals, 24-10. What a win by Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, 31-19 over Jacksonville. They were down at the half and stormed back in the third quarter with 17 points. And the Birds from the desert are now 3-0. and The Vegas Raiders... Jackpot baby, that's what Brent Musburger, the radio voice of Las Vegas, says when they win a game. Jackpot baby, 31-28 T. OT. The Las Vegas Raiders defeat the 1-2 and Miami Dolphins. Daniel Carlson with that game-winning kick in OT. Man, what a great win by former Georgia Bulldog quarterback Matthew Stafford. He had four touchdowns that he was credited for as the Los Angeles Rams there in Englewood take care of business against the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, L.A. Rams 34, Tampa Bay, and Tom 24. Big, big shocker for some on Sunday late afternoon. Minnesota got its first win of the year, 30-17, to 17, over the Seattle Seahawks. Monday night action, NFL fun on ESPN, and it comes to you, the fun from AT&T Stadium in Arlington. It's the Cowboys hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. And Dallas looks to go to 2-1. and one. Both of these teams actually entered this one with a 1-1 one one mark. Remember last year that NFC East was the worst division in all of the NFL. And they're going to try to improve that here this year. Now, one Note from a Sunday report, Kansas City, after they lost, that was tough enough, but head coach Andy Reid had to be taken to the hospital for dehydration after that loss to the L.A. Chargers. He left Arrowhead in an ambulance, treated for dehydration, and is expected to be fine. The 63-year-old stayed on the sideline until the end of the 30-24 loss and returned to the locker room afterward. Reed addressed the team as he normally would after the game. And at least one player said he was unaware that there was anything out of the ordinary, but Andy Reed felt ill and departed for a local hospital for examination. So we wish him well, tough times there. Kansas city is in the cellar of the AFC West as they have a one and two mark. And the chargers and the Broncos, and even the Vegas Raiders are perfect. The Broncos are perfect, and the Chargers have that 2-1 record. But the Chiefs right now currently have to look up to all three of those teams. We told you about the New York Giants booing their owner, Mr. Mara. How about Calvin Johnson's Hall of Fame ceremony in Detroit and fans booing owner Sheila Ford Hamp during the introductory speech for Megatron there? at Ford Field. So booing the owner was in vogue Sunday. I wonder what they did when they actually lost in that heartbreaking style to the Ravens after a 66-yard field goal at the buzzer sent them to 0-3. And according to reports, Lions fans mercilessly, say that one 5,000 times fast, mercilessly booed Sheila forward him <laughs> at halftime. And Detroit should have won this game. I mean, it was an absolute miracle that Baltimore was able to come in there and get that kick off. Just to even get it off was a miracle. And then to actually make the 66-yard field goal was a super-duper miracle. Well, that's some of the NFL recap from the weekend. College football-wise, we walked through earlier in the show your top 25 and you've got Alabama number one, Georgia two. Some of the other big stories of the latest poll that came out Sunday. Oklahoma went down. The Sooners now checking in at number six in the AP poll. Arkansas goes up eight spots after they just throttled Texas A&M. Arkansas, the better team. The Hogs and Sam Pittman are 4-0 and o and ranked number eight. Notre Dame looked mighty good against Wisconsin. Brian Kelly's team is number nine. They got a big battle this weekend with Cincinnati. Number seven in the land, Bearcats at Notre Dame this weekend. Florida moved up to number 10 after they got the victory over the Tennessee Vols. Ohio State goes down to 11. Mississippi is at 12. Texas A&M is 15 in the latest poll. The Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. They move up to number 16 in the latest AP poll. You also have Oklahoma State. They enter the poll at number 19. They got a nice win this past weekend. And as a result of that victory, Oklahoma State, which topped K-State, checks in at number 19. UCLA moved up. They're number 20 in the latest poll. Baylor is 21. Baylor is 4-0. and Auburn, what a game. They had to survive, and Sean Elliott, head coach at Georgia State, says that the SEC referees helped them to that victory. Auburn gets the last-minute win over Georgia State, and they move to number 22 in the latest AP poll. Congratulations to Dave Doran and the cardiac pack of Raleigh. NC State enters the AP poll at number 23 after they downed Clemson in double overtime, the pack 3-1. and one. The pack are the first of three consecutive ACC schools that round out the top 25. Dave Clawson, not Doran. Dave Clawson is the head coach of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, and they are 4-0. Impressive win for them over Virginia this past weekend, and the Demon Deacons are ranked number 24, and they're in the top 25. And then the last of the three, the last of the triumvirate of ACC schools, the Clemson Tigers are In the 25th spot, they are barely hanging on in the latest AP poll. But they're in there. They dropped 16 spots after that loss to NC State. A loss that was rather costly for Clemson. Dabo Sweeney lost defensive tackle Brian Breesey. He's out for the season with a torn ACL. Also, running back, North Carolina native Will Shipley, is going to be out close to a month. After he got banged up in this one, had a leg injury. And then James Skalski had to leave the game with a shoulder injury. According to Swinney, on Sunday, he should be fine going forward. But a big playmaker there, Brian Breecy, is done for the year. The defensive tackle injured in this one against NC State. Also, we told you about a sad story out of Utah. Aaron Lowe killed over the weekend in Salt Lake City. He was killed at an off-campus Gathering after Utah's game on Saturday. He dies at age 21. He is from Mesquite, Texas. His high school and University of Utah teammate was just killed by a weapon accidentally about a year ago. And Aaron Lowe wore his high school and college teammates' number out of respect for Ty Jordan. He actually was the recipient of the first Ty Jordan Memorial Scholarship there at Utah as the former running back died in December of an accidental gunshot. And now his buddy, the 21-year-old old, killed at a off-campus house party. Another female also shot at this same incident over the weekend. Our thoughts are also with the ULM Warhawks quarterback, Rhett Rodriguez. Rhett Rodriguez is the son of the legendary coach, Rich Rodriguez, who coached at West Virginia. He coached at Michigan. And in recent years, he's been the head coach at Arizona. He was a offensive coordinator for Mississippi three years ago, I think it was. Rich Rod's son, Rhett, was in intensive care over the weekend. And that's the latest reports I have out of Louisiana, out of Monroe, after he was injured in the game the Warhawks had against the Troy Trojans over the weekend. Now, he was very good in that game, a 29-16 Warhawk win against Troy, of which he passed for 10 of 16 for 131 yards and a touchdown. But he had a lung injury, and he's in ICU, hospitalized in intensive care with this injury suffered in the game. And Rich Rodriguez tweeting out Sunday that his family would like to thank. Everyone's reached out with thoughts and prayers for Rhett. Got a long road to go. He was on a ventilator in the ICU as of Sunday evening. So Rhett Rodriguez, Louisiana Monroe quarterback. Our thoughts with that family right now as they go through this very difficult time. We had a firing in college football Sunday. Chad Lunsford fired as head coach of the Georgia Southern Eagles after a 1-3 and start. They don't like losing in Statesboro, and they've been losing. They lost to Florida, Atlantic, Arkansas, and the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. They did beat the running Bulldogs of Gardner-Webb, <laughs> to their credit. But yes, fired after a few seasons, of which he did guide Georgia Southern to 10 wins back in 2018 and he had led them to three consecutive bowl appearances, entering this year. Chad Lunsford out as Georgia Southern's coach. Cornerback's coach Kevin Whitley is going to serve as GSU's interim head coach. He is a former Georgia Southern All-American and a Canadian Football League player that's on his in his third season on the Georgia Southern staff. Georgia Southern now becomes the third FBS program to make a coaching change already as UConn got rid of coach Edsel and then USC got rid of coach Helton. And now Georgia Southern becomes the first Southern school to make a coaching change. They've got Arkansas State coming into Statesboro this week. Topsy-turvy week for sure in Statesboro, Georgia. All right, one thing non-football related to tell you about the Ryder Cup went down there in Kohler, Wisconsin over the last couple of days at Whistling Straits. And it's USA, USA as United States and its players like Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth. Let's see here. I don't want to leave anybody else. Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay, the Americans got the Ryder Cup back. Europe had held on to it for a couple of years and it was a dominating performance when it was all said and done. The US with a blowout win over Team Europe. Nineteen to nine. They nearly got to twenty. That's what the I guess uh Stricker, that was his goal to get to twenty. But nineteen to nine, a complete whipping of Team Europe. And way to go to all those golfers. I guess it was 12 individual golfers who got to play on the USA team and the Ryder Cup now resides in these United States. USA, USA. All right. Y'all talk with an accent on the South. We're going to be talking and bragging, not just on the United States. We're going to be bragging on the panhandle of Florida and lower Alabama. We've got some numbers in on some of the great tourism that happened in those two states and those two areas of those two great Southern states. And I've got some data that ought to make everybody across the South happy. Woo! We are doing good, at least in the panhandle and lower Alabama. That's coming up next on y'all. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our
3: Spanish is
1: uh... <laughs> <It's> pretty bad.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases, and with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas?
2: ¿Cómo te llamas?
3: ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning
2: Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel.
1: There's no easier way to learn another language.
2: Ahora hablamos español.
1: He just said, now we speak Spanish.
2: I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures.
1: Babbel.
3: Language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L dot com.
0: That's an L.A. girl, Lainey Wilson. However, she's not from lower Alabama. She's actually from that other L.A., you know, Louisiana. But that's a great song there off of her debut album. Give a, get a chance to give that thing a listen. We're back here on Talk With An Accent on All Things Southern. And we're going to put on our Southern bragging hat for a few minutes because we've got some data coming in from the panhandle of Florida, And Lower Alabama, Laney, you're right. You should be happy there singing about L.A. Because in 2020, those two areas of those two states, plus really the whole world, took it on the chin in terms of tourism dollars and people going out to the places they would normally go in the summertime and whatever time of year that tourism is heavy in these areas. Well, guess what? tourism record set this past summer in the panhandle of Florida and right there in lower Alabama too. June numbers are in. Sales leaped 26% above the same time of 2020. July had a 36% bump. That is big news for some of the retailers in these areas. Business activity in Alabama's beach cities continued a trend of annual record setters by surpassing 2019, and that was considered the high watermark for tourism in coastal Alabama since the BP oil disaster of 2010. So, wonderful news there. As far as occupancy figures, over Labor Day weekend, 95% occupancy in Gulf Shores, Orange Beach, and all those great areas of lower Alabama. Almost every available condominium and rental room in those areas was occupied. So you're seeing record numbers. A record summer. Statistics from Gulf Shores and Orange Beach Tourism show the tourism boom. A report out says for this year, the region hovered 90% average occupancy for its rental units For most of the summer, especially in June and July, the region hit 80% around May 15th and has remained above that level until the first week after the Labor Day holiday, when a natural drop occurs following the summer season. So, great numbers. Herb Malone is president and CEO of the Gulf Shores and Orange Beach Tourism Department. He said, while we certainly weren't sure what to expect this year, Alabama's beaches saw a record summer season. It will be several months before we know if it will be a record year. Well, let's hope so. So things good in Alabama. What about the panhandle of Florida on the Florida Gulf Coast? Business owners in Pensacola Beach said their summer season surpassed pre-pandemic sales and rental agencies in Destin and Fort Walton Beach reported summer occupancy rates above 90 percent visit panama city beach said their tourist heavy market also set summer records so fantastic news these areas again got hit so hard and you don't want to see that happen anytime anywhere but we've seen some places boost up the effort in fact kudos to gulf shores and orange beach tourism they launched the Worth the Wait initiative back in May as an effort to provide businesses with a unified message to guests prior to and during their vacation along Gulf Shores and Orange Beach in Lower Alabama. Worth the Wait with the message, "We're sorry for the longer than usual wait. <laughs> we're sorry for the longer than usual wait time, like many businesses across the country, we are short staffed due to a lack of available workforce." We sincerely appreciate your patience and understanding as our staff works to ensure that your Alabama beach vacation is fun, memorable, and safe. Well, we hope all of you who went down to lower Alabama or went down to the panhandle of Florida and enjoyed your many, many days perhaps in the surf and then in the sand had a great, great vacation. And you know what? The numbers paid off. People are making those two areas at least Stand out. And from what I'm gathering from some of the Atlantic beaches, the beaches of Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, and Virginia Beach, those had really good numbers. I won't call them record numbers at this point, but yes, Southerners and people from throughout the whole world went out and hit the beach because they got tired of being cooped up. Let's just be very frank with you here. And that's a good thing. And it helps helps everybody out when you go out and spend some money we'll come right back after this break we've got some more headlines from across the southeast that we'll get to including how a world war ii pilot at age 100 got up in the skies once again that's ahead as the y'all show monday edition continues on
1: Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Lynn helped her do her part
5: linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats ibsc in adults linzess works differently than laxatives it lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms belly pain discomfort and bloating these symptoms were studied in combination not individually do not give linzess to children less than six and it should not be given to children six to less than 18 it may harm them do not take linzess if you have a bowel blockage get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain especially with bloody or black stools the most common side effect is diarrhea sometimes severe if it's severe Stop taking S and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with C. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to S. Learn more at Lenzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Abbott and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals.
0: got a handful of minutes left here as we get your week started here on y'all a show that accentuates the southland john Rawls, my name you can email us here at the show at mail m-a-i-l at y'all.com well winter is fast approaching we're about to turn the calendar over to october in a handful of days and i don't know about you but something about winter and firewood makes me tremble I still have those memories of having that fireplace where you had to have the Dutch was it the Dutch oven or Dutch fire. That was all the rage back some 40 years ago. And I had to be one of those kids growing up that had to go out there and get the firewood. And I didn't like it. But at least I didn't have to go cut the wood. Well, we've got a story out of Rapides Parish in Louisiana hey the sheriff's office of repeats parish is going to start selling firewood on friday hey you are your are a lucky citizenry there in this parish around alexandria sheriff mark wood i love the last name for this story sheriff mark wood has started a firewood project that can help recycle the many trees fell by recent hurricanes and winter storms and you can go get your firewood Priority for the wood will go to elderly and disabled residents of the parish, but anyone can buy up to two ricks beginning October 1st. Each rick costs $60 and sales are handled with money orders only. (laughs) What? What kind of deal is that? I can understand cash, but money orders? For a rick? Have y'all ever seen the word rick before other than for a person's name? A rick is a stack of hay, corn straw, or similar material, especially one formerly built into a regular shape and thatched. It's also a pile of firewood somewhat smaller than a cord. A rick. There's your word of the day. Rick. All right. Yes, you can get this rick for 60 bucks in this parish in central Louisiana. Firewood Project, working with the public. Two rick maximum. Money order only. Got a number if you need to learn more information. 318-709-8489. Way to go, Sheriff Wood. And how about that wood you got there? And what a great way to get all this debris out of the area from all these storms like Ida and making a little money. Now, a story out of Charlotte, North Carolina. How about working as a reporter there in the Queen City For 45 years. Well, that's what Steve Onisorg has done. And now, after 45 years of working for WBTV television, the longest running on-air presence in the history of Channel 3's news operation, Steve is going to put down his mic and walk away. And he's worked there since Gerald Ford was president. And he's walking away at age 67, in his own way. He says he's going to get around and do things. I can still move around with the equipment. I can still do the job. What I don't want to happen, he says, is to get to a point where I can't do the job and then probably let the situation force me out. So 45 years as a reporter for WBTV television in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he is riding off into the sunset. After starting work there, Not long after he got out of the nearby Belmont Abbey College in Belmont, North Carolina, and went on to work at this legendary television station in one of the South's largest cities. Way to go to this reporter. I am envious of Steve Onisorg. Good luck in your retirement. How about this story from over the weekend? It's an NFL-related story, but I thought it was just the coolest thing. We know that Jim Ursay, owner of the Indianapolis Colts, is kind of a cool guy. I mean, he is. Well, one of the reasons he's a cool guy, he's got one heck of a music collection. And so as the Indianapolis Colts got ready to take on their rivals from the AFC South this past weekend, they went down to Nashville from the Circle City to take on the Tennessee Titans. Jim Ursay over the weekend, hosted an event right on West End near the Vanderbilt campus. He hosted an event at Lowe's Vanderbilt Hotel where he showed off his vast collection of music memorabilia. And that memorabilia includes instruments and items from Bob Dylan, Elton John, the Beatles, Prince, and others. He said since his football team was going to be in the Music City, it only made sense to display instruments from some of the great musicians in history. And he brought it all down to Lowe's Vanderbilt. I don't know if this was done to be a benefit. Maybe he wants nashvillians to pay him a lot of money so that he can use that money to buy better players so that they can then defeat the tennessee titans by the way the colts lost to the titans the colts are 0 three in the nfl right now but a pretty cool deal jim ursay indianapolis colts owner taking his show on the road and bringing his guitars and other cool stuff to nashville over the weekend and we wrap up our stories from across the southland today in South Mississippi, and there around Bay St. Louis in Hancock County, Thomas Adams Jr. lives in that area. He is a retired pilot. He was a World War II aviator, and he's now 100 years old. And at the end of last week, he went up in the air again as part of something called Dream Flights. That is a nonprofit made up of volunteer pilots that take veteran pilots back into the clouds, and Thomas Adams Jr., at age 100, who was a flight engineer back in World War II, he also served in Korea and Vietnam, went up one more time. Maybe maybe he's going to go up again, but he definitely went up thanks to dream flights, and what a cool, cool story coming to us from South Mississippi. In his military career, Thomas Adams Jr. recorded 27 flights and earned two distinguished flying crosses. He had nothing but good things to say about his experience. Thursday, when he went on this flight, he says, Life is good, the flight was wonderful, and the crew chief is a special, and the pilot is exceptional. He said, He only had one problem. They took the stick out, so I didn't get a chance to fly it. He said, laughing. <laughs> This flight went out of Stennis International Airport in Hancock County, Mississippi. Dream Flights is a nonprofit organization established and dedicated to honoring seniors and military veterans. Through donors, community support, and volunteers, the foundation provides Dream Flights and a Boeing Stearman biplane, the same aircraft used to train military aviators in the late 1930s and early 1940s. Their mission was sponsored by sports clips, haircuts, but the nonprofit also uses donations, grants, and the support of their volunteers. So pretty cool that they're out there there doing this. And how about these guys going up in the friendly skies of South Mississippi <laughs> and this vintage aircraft and this biplane? Good lord. That's one way to get attention. And that's what they did. And again, thank you to this former World War II pilot, former Korea and Vietnam era pilot pilot thomas adams jr thank you for your service to the country and thank you for 100 years and that the good lord's blessed us and blessed you with and blessed us by having heroes like you be a part of it and we hope you sure enjoyed your flight and maybe one of these days you're going to find one of those old biplanes with a stick in it and you can indeed pilot that sucker around and maybe practice like you were one of those early flyboys of the World War II era. What a great story to wrap up our headlines from across the Southeast. We will wrap up this Y'all Show after this brief timeout. We will share with you what's ahead this week on the Y'all Show. We've got some great, great stuff coming your way. And when we come back, I'll give you that preview of Y'all, the show that's all about the south.
6: Talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. We agreed, it's time to try something different.
5: Linzess or Linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals.
6: Running, playing tag, mama calling, supper time, life was simple, looking through young eyes. Seems like a hundred years ago, a different place and time, used to be in color, now it's in the
0: Final segment of this Monday, y'all show. Hope y'all have enjoyed us getting right back here in the saddle, getting a new week up and going. And this our final week of the month of September. So why don't you just sit back and let me tell you how we're going to wrap up this month and get you started Friday, the first day of October, with plenty of good Southern information. First off, make sure to go ahead and set a reminder for Tuesday As we will be right back here with the show all about the South. As we will have coming up on Tuesday in our first hour, an ACC update. As a couple of ACC teams have entered the AP Top 25 for the first time all year. And I'll talk about how Clemson has still got a very low, but it's still there, pulse. The Tigers have a lot of work to do. We'll talk about that as part of our ACC report. Also, in the first hour of our Tuesday Y'all Show, hey, we will have a Southern political report. As we told you earlier in this Y'all Show, President Donald Trump was in Perry, Georgia, over the weekend, and he wasn't holding back when he was bashing Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, and he wasn't holding back when he was bashing Brian Kemp, the current governor of the Peach State. We'll talk about the fallout from that speech in Perry, From over the weekend, we'll bring you up to speed on other political happenings across the southeast. All that in that political report coming your way on Tuesday's Y'all Show. We also have sports information, a business spotlight to get you, and we will have Melissa Rhodes with a southern accent on arts coming up on the Tuesday Y'all Show. Coming up on the Wednesday Y'all Show, it is... All about hashtag Hello Blue. We go on social media and share with you some of the fun stuff out there in that category. Our barbecue barrister is slated to be here on Wednesday. Can't wait to find out what he's got up on the grill right now. He also will share with us what's going on in the Big 12 Conference. What a great job by the Baylor Bears. What a great job by the pokes of Oklahoma State. And oh yeah, by the way, Oklahoma continues to be undefeated. And Texas seems to be waking up and coming around after a rough go of it a few weeks back against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Maybe that loss doesn't look so bad since we've seen the Hoggies continue to dominate and beat that other team from Texas. This past weekend, Big 12 information and barbecue information coming up in the second hour of our Wednesday show. We also have the latest in book news, what's going on with the bestsellers. That's coming up on the Wednesday Y'all Show. Plus, we'll have more headlines on Wednesday's Y'all Show. Thursday, it's an SEC update. As we've got to talk about those Georgia Bulldogs. They're getting first place votes right now for number one in the AP poll. And Kirby Smart's team is on a roll as they get ready to welcome in the Arkansas Razorbacks between the hedges. SEC talk coming up on Thursday. Plus on Thursday, an entertainment report. All the country music gossip going on in Nashville will be shared with you come Thursday. That plus an accent on Southern Business is lined up. We will have on our Friday Y'all Show, the Y'all Kickoff Show will take over our first hour. General Gridiron is part of that fun come Friday. Hour number two, Craig Faulkner is going to have his fishing forecast. He did a wonderful report this last week on bow hunting as that season has kind of opened up across much of the south. And Craig will be here to talk about how things have gone bow hunting wise and his crappie fishing preparation as that is about to be the big thing for him over the next few weeks we'll also have a look at the new movies hitting theaters across the southeast this weekend and we'll be sharing with you in the final hour a southern accent on sports and we'll look at some of the great festivals going on across the southeast for that first weekend of october all that scheduled for the friday all show and all of those shows are going to be right back here throughout the week here so don't miss out on the fun John Raw, the general of all things Southern, thanking you for letting me be part of your day here. Three hours we spent covering everything across the South. want to thank Jerry Short, our Takapola storyteller, for sitting in with me an hour or two. Podcast available, iHeartRadio app, plus we're on the TuneIn app, Stitcher, Spotify, and, of course, we're at y'all.com. Till we get back together on Tuesday, y'all have a great rest of your day.